MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, March 11th, 2022. Today, the RNC is suing the January 6th committee to block fundraising information. A D.C. police officer's suicide is deemed a line of duty death after a month's long fight. Sidney Powell has been funding the legal defense of some Oath Keepers. The U.S. warns Russia may use chemical weapons against Ukraine. Attorney General Merrick Garland tells NPR the 1-6 investigation will not end until everyone is brought to account. Trump's 2020 census undercounted Black people, Latinos, and Native Americans. The judge in the Durham case warns him about including extraneous crap in his filings in the future. And Mike Flynn took the fifth while testifying to the 1-6 committee. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody, that is quite a bit of news to get to. I will be doing that in short order. I also want to let you know that Amy Carrero will be joining me for the good news today. So I'm very excited about that because of the amount of news. I don't think we have time for an interview, but, you know, we will continue to have them in the future. And so I really just want to break this news down for you. I've got a lot of interesting things that are going on today. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, on his first anniversary as Attorney General, Merrick Garland told NPR he's committed to unraveling the conspiracy behind the storming of the Capitol, in which he calls he calls it the most urgent investigation in the history of the Justice Department. That's pretty heavy words. Members of the House committee investigating the January 6th riot have asserted that the former president could be charged with conspiracy and obstruction. That, as you know, we've talked about 18 U.S. Code 371 and 18 U.S. Code 1512 C2. But Democrats in Congress and even some of Garland's friends have worried he'll shy away from the political firestorm that would result from charging a former commander in chief with a crime. And to that, Merrick Garland said, we are not avoiding cases that are political or cases that are controversial or sensitive. And that's what he said in an exclusive interview with NPR. Joyce Vance says, seems pretty clear in prosecutor speak that he's investigating Trump, but we'll see. Quote, We begin with the cases that are right in front of us, he says, with the overt actions, and then we build from there. And that is a process that we will continue to build on until we hold everyone accountable who committed criminal acts with respect to January 6th. Every FBI office, this is about the resources now, which he's talked about. And you know, that's something I've been critical about. Tell us who's on this. He says every FBI office, almost every U.S. attorney's office in the country is working on the matter. We've issued thousands of subpoenas, seized and examined thousands of electronic devices, examined terabytes of data, thousands of hours of video. People are working every day, 24-7, and they're fully aware of how important this is. This, you know, again, had to do with the interference and the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another. And it doesn't get more important than that, he said. And speaking of January 6th, We know the committee has been very busy investigating, and now the Republican National Committee is suing the January 6th committee after investigators sought fundraising information from Salesforce, which is a vendor for the RNC. The select committee subpoenaed Salesforce on February 23rd, according to the RNC's court filing, which kind of shows that the what the January 6th committee is doing is also kind of under wraps. I mean, we're hearing about it now, but that was a while ago. And we only learned about it from a court filing because they're suing. So for for information about the party's fundraising, 
that's what, you know, they're trying to block. And they say it's, quote, non-public information on Republican donors, volunteers and supporters and the internal deliberative process of the RNC. The company was due to provide the documents to the committee by today, and it's unclear whether they've complied. While telecommunications companies like Verizon and T-Mobile typically refuse to comply with subpoenas if a subscriber is suing, it's unclear whether Salesforce abides by a similar policy. The subpoena also requires a company official to interview with the committee by March 16th. So that's coming up pretty quickly. The Select Committee released a statement on its subpoena of Salesforce defending its attempt to obtain information from the company. They say, quote, between Election Day and January 6th, the RNC and the Trump campaign solicited donations by pushing false claims that the election was tainted by widespread fraud. That is Select Committee spokesperson Tim Mulvey. Quote, these emails encourage supporters to put pressure on Congress to keep President Trump in power. The Select Committee issued a subpoena to an email fundraising vendor, that's Salesforce, in order to help investigators understand the impact of false inflammatory messages in the weeks before January 6th, the flow of funds, and whether contributions were actually directed to the purpose indicated. This action has absolutely nothing to do with getting private information from voters and donors. That's from the statement from the committee. Separately, RNC Chair Rana Romney, who goes by Rana McDaniel because apparently Mitt is just a little too progressive for her, she met with the staff of the Select Committee on Wednesday. That's according with, to a source who spoke to Politico, but it's not clear whether she was testifying or if it was an initial contact with investigators. Sounds like initial contact. Along with its statement, the committee released the February 23rd letter to Salesforce explaining the rationale behind their subpoena. It noted the RNC and Trump campaign jointly blanketed Trump supporters with fundraising emails in the weeks after the election, laden with what it called inflammatory claims about election results. The committee has a green team dedicated to tracing every dollar that was raised and spent on false claims that the election was stolen. Committee investigators have interviewed low-level Trump campaign aides who wrote fundraising pitches. They've grilled Trump advisors about who may have personally profited from the post-election cash haul and even dialed up the owners of portable toilet companies to find out who paid those vendors to put those toilets on the eclipse the day of the insurrection. The questioning, it's part of an effort to scrutinize whether the Trump campaign and its affiliated PACs the Republican National Committee and protest organizers knowingly used false claims that the election was stolen to dupe donors and raise large sums of cash. Committee members and aides said the goal of scrutinizing and documenting the money is twofold. The primary objective is to determine whether email solicitation spreading false claims of election fraud served as a powerful source of misinformation, prompting the need to make proposals for strengthening campaign finance laws. And I agree. And also maybe give some teeth to the FEC. The committee will also consider if any laws were broken and refer those to the Justice Department, which would then decide whether to pursue any prosecutions. Committee investigators are also pursuing some of the individual actors, as we know, who raised vast sums through similar fundraising appeals like Sidney Powell. That's according to people involved in the investigation. Powell's nonprofit, as we know, it's called Defending the Republic. They raised 14 million and almost 15 million using baseless claims about the election. Federal prosecutors have already demanded the financial records of multiple fundraising organizations launched by the lawyer after the 2020 election. It is illegal to fundraise on false claims. It's called wire fraud. That's what Bannon got indicted and eventually pardoned for with his we build the wall bullshit. And also in January 6th news, Mike Flynn appeared before the committee Thursday, but took the fifth to all their questions. Uh, but speaking of Sidney Powell and Mike Flynn, they're buddies, right? They're fundraising together. And that's what's under federal criminal investigation. 
And as it turns out, she's been using at least some of that money to fund the legal defense of some Oath Keepers. Since October, Defending the Republic, that's her PAC, has been making monthly payments to the defense attorneys for Kelly Meggs, a member of the Oath Keepers who's charged with seditious conspiracy for his role in the January 6th riot. In an interview, the attorney Mosley said he was aware of at least three other defendants, or maybe four, who have that arrangement, as well as the Oath Keepers general counsel, Kelly Sorrell, who spoke to the Post, said that one of the others is the group's founder, Stuart Rhodes. Offering the chance to deny that, his lawyers said they don't discuss funding. So they're totally, Sidney Powell's totally paying for Stuart Rhodes' defense. Uh, The revelation, which has not been previously reported, sheds new light on the activities of Powell's organization. And what's interesting is Powell will fund your shit or give you free legal advice as long as you go along with her stories. Remember when Flynn was, you know, cooperating with the government, pled guilty twice to lying to the FBI? And then Sidney Powell swooped in and he changed his story and blew up his plea agreement, got a pardon anyway. Yeah, well, she seems like she's doing that here now, too. You know, Stuart Rhodes has pleaded not guilty. Right. So she's funding this. And of course, Flynn, who she helped in the old Mueller investigation, is one of the directors of her PAC, as is his brother. Anyway. Her organization was incorporated in December of 2020 to defend the constitutional rights of all Americans. By last August, the group had raised about 15 million, like I said. And since then, it's raked in untold cash in donations and sales of merchandise, T-shirts, hoodies, coasters, highball glasses adorned with the organization's logo. Yet despite mounting legal scrutiny from federal and state investigators, defending the republic has disclosed almost nothing about where the money has been going. Third party support of litigation is by no means prohibited. By the way, venture capitalist Peter Thiel famously bankrolled the privacy suit by pro wrestler Hulk Hogan that bankrupted Gawker. And today there are investment funds dedicated solely to financing lawsuits in exchange for a share of settlement verdicts. The tactic is less common in the criminal arena, though. And when uh, used, it tends to take on a far more politicized tint. Among the donors to the $2 million fund Kyle Rittenhouse used to successfully defend himself against murder charges last year were gun rights groups, conservative actor Rick Schroeder, and the CEO of MyPillow, Mike Lindell, the Trump confidant known for promulgating wild conspiracy theories. Powell's involvement in the Oath Keepers case helps explain how some of the defendants, most of whom are far from wealthy, have been able to work with private attorneys who charge hundreds of dollars per hour rather than court-appointed lawyers. But it also raises questions as to who's dictating their defense strategy. Ding, ding, ding. In recent months, defense attorneys have raised many of the same far-flung conspiracies about COVID-19, Antifa, and the deep state that appeared in lawsuits against the federal government filed by Powell herself. Powell founded Defending the Republic, as I said, in, in Texas on December 1st, 2020. And four days later, like I said, added Mike Flynn and his brother as directors. But according to regulators in Florida, the organization has been soliciting donations in that state since November 2020 without registering as a charity, which is against the law. In an August settlement, though, with Florida's Division of Consumer Services, Defending the Republic paid a $10,000 fine, properly registered in the state, and agreed to provide audited financial statements to regulators. Hmm. I'd bet the, uh, I'd bet the farm that Flynn was asked about Powell and defending the Republic and fundraising around January 6th today when he took the fifth because of that whole, you know, criminal investigation into it. 
Makes you wonder a lot about people taking the fifth with January 6th committee. And the widow of Metropolitan Police Officer Jeffrey Smith has won a month's long fight to have her husband's death declared in the line of duty following his suicide days after the attack on the Capitol. According to a letter obtained by CNN, the District of Columbia's Police and Firefighters Retirement and Relief Board has found that Smith sustained a personal injury on January 6, 2021, while performing his duties, and that injury was the sole and direct cause of his death. This ruling makes his family eligible to receive benefits. The board issued an order to Aaron Smith on Wednesday night, vacating the previous decision to deny her survivor's benefits, granting her an annuity equal to her late husband's pay. In other news, U.S. officials say they're concerned Russia could be preparing to use chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine after the Russian defense ministry accused Ukraine of possibly planning a false flag chemical weapons attack. An administration official said the U.S. is worried that the Russians are making the claim to justify a false flag operation or them using chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine themselves, and also possibly to blame the United States. Quote, we do believe that we should be on the lookout for Russia to possibly use chemical or biological weapons. That's from the official. The U.S. is also concerned that Russia could be making the claim to justify its continued invasion of Ukraine or to get the Russian people to be mad at the United States and Europe for all of the sanctions. And as predicted, the 2020 census sucked. It's continued a long-standing trend of undercounting black people, Latinos, and Native Americans while overcounting people who identify as white and not Latino. And that's according to a report from the U.S. Census Bureau released Thursday. Latinos were left out of the 2020 census at more than three times the rate of the last census. Among Native Americans living on reservations and black people, the net undercount rates were numerically higher, but not statistically different from the 2010 rates. So they were undercounted almost the same as they were in 2010, but undercounted nonetheless. People who identified as white and not Latino were overcounted at almost double the rate in 2010. Asian Americans were also overcounted. The Bureau said, based on its estimates, it's unclear how well the 2020 tally counted Pacific Islanders. And when you don't know and your job is to fucking count, The long-awaited findings came from a follow-up survey the Bureau conducted to measure the accuracy of the latest headcount of people living in the United States, which is used to redistribute political representation and federal funding across the country for the next 10 years. Still, the Bureau said previously it believes the census results are fit to use for reallocating each state's share of congressional seats and electoral college vote, as well as redrawing voting districts. And I gotta say, it's this kind of egregious bureaucratic bullshit that just propagates white supremacy in the United States. Finally, the Department of Education said Wednesday that it has so far identified 100,000 borrowers who are eligible for student debt cancellation due to the changes that Biden has made to the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. The cancellations for those people are expected to total about $6.2 billion in federal student debt relief. Not all of the eligible borrowers have been notified of their debt relief yet. They're being notified on a rolling basis, and the Department of Education could not provide a date when all of them will be contacted. The announcement marks the latest effort by Biden to make it easier for some borrowers to qualify for loan forgiveness under existing programs. But the administration's piecemeal approach still falls short of the president's campaign pledge to cancel $10,000 for each of the roughly 43 million people who currently hold federal student loan debt. The Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program promises to wipe away remaining federal student loan after an eligible public service worker makes 10 years of monthly payments. It was created about 15 years ago, but a very small percentage of people who have applied have actually received forgiveness. 
Many borrowers criticized the program as difficult to navigate, and some say they found they weren't eligible for forgiveness only after making what they thought was a decade's worth of qualifying payments. Only borrowers with specific kinds of federal loans and enrolled in certain repayment programs are eligible. And I am very familiar with this because I worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs for 10 years plus. And I was making my federal student loan forgiveness loan payments every month on time. But one time, about three years in, I switched, well, they switched loan holders for me. So my loan was given to Navient. And because of that, they said, don't pay this month. And because of that, every single payment I made after that was considered 30 days late. And none of them for all of those years counted toward federal student loan forgiveness. I wrote back and forth. I called a million times. I wrote, I tried, and nope, 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 nope. But then fortunately, because I'm 100% disabled veteran and Biden tweaked that program, he forgave my student debt. But I know what this is like, so this is going to be great for a lot of folks who have been struggling with this student loan forgiveness. And this just in, we have breaking news. The judge in the Durham case is not pleased with Durham. Little background, as you know, John Durham was appointed by Bill Barr to investigate the investigators, investigate the Trump Russia investigation, investigate the oranges of the investigation. After two plus years, he indicted one guy for changing an email, Klein Smith, and who who actually pled guilty, and that's over and done with, and he's back being a lawyer. And then he indicted Michael Sussman, a lawyer for the Clinton campaign, for apparently lying to the FBI, James Baker, one person, about whether or not he was representing a client when he brought some Alpha Bank Trump Tower server communications information to the FBI to look at. I've already gone over a million times how the indictment is stupid. But then following the indictment, John Durham did this thing a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure you'll remember. He filed a motion for consideration of conflict of interest. And in this motion, the first paragraph is about the conflict of interest. And then the next several pages are this bullshit conspiracy theory, you know, about how, you know, the White House was being spied on, but he didn't specify that it was actually the Obama White House and they weren't really spying. They were just looking at DNS traffic to Vodafone's. Anyway, it was just a bunch of inflammatory bullshit. I equated it to what Sidney Powell was doing with the courts with her election lawsuits, just inflaming the media. Stuff that's not necessary. And then Sussman's lawyer said, hey, motion to strike all that crap out of there, right? Like we get the sure inquiry, even though we told you we would waive conflict, like fine. But all that other crap, it's not necessary. Please motion to strike. Well, the judge said, until we swear a jury in this case, you folks have an audience of one. And that's me. That's U.S. District Judge Chris Cooper. After a brief back and forth with Sussman, in which Sussman agreed in this hearing to waive conflicts, you know, the ones that Durham wrote that whole big bullshit thing about. Cooper said he wasn't convinced that Durham's filing and Sussman's motion to strike were necessary at all. He said both sides agreed to the inquiry that the government has requested. And I understand there's a need for a factual record But that factual record could have been a consent motion agreed to by both sides. And we could have done this in 20 minutes in a status conference. And so as to the information in the Sussman said Durham provocatively and misleadingly included 
all that stuff in there about the whatever, you know, the one that the right wingers went off and said, oh, the Durham report. They cookie called it a report. They all say it's a report. It's not a report. It's a filing. All that stuff Sussman wanted strike stricken from a record. Cooper indicated he would have little patience for that kind of filing going forward. This is the one that Durham made about all that extraneous information. He said, I don't know why the information is in there. Now, I extend a presumption of good faith to all y'all, particularly the government. I don't ascribe any ill motives. And for that and other reasons, I'm not going to strike anything from the record because striking it will not unring the bell. It'll probably make the bell sound even louder. Now, I personally disagree. I do ascribe ill motives to Durham in this case. But I'm glad the judge called him out for his bullshit and sternly warned him not to do it again. All right, everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back with Amy Carrero for the good news. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And today's show is brought to you by oh, my savior, Helix Sleep. I mean, if you ever wake up feeling more exhausted than when you went to bed, if you're sore, if you wake up all times of the night, you could be having the same issues I had. It's a condition that sleep experts call having a garbage mattress. Time to step up your sleep game with Helix Sleep. Take their quick online quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans to find the perfect mattress to match your exact sleeping style and body type and preferences. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have body temperature regulating mattresses, spinal alignment mattresses, Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. They have everything that you need. And the Helix Midnight was the perfect match for me. I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. So yay, that's what they matched me with. And now instead of tossing and turning all night, And being groggy all day and sore, thanks to my sweet, sweet Helix mattress, I fall asleep immediately, I get deep, restful sleep, and I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. As you know, Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired. Leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix. They have a 10-year warranty, and you can try out for 100 sleeps risk-free. If you don't like it, they'll come pick it up for free, no risk. And they have financing options available, too. And right now they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And it's Friday. That means Shira is with us. Amy Carrera. Hey. Oh, you know, it's March. What? <laughs> no, it's like almost the Ides. I know. It's March 10th. Uh, January yeah. was so long that February felt like January. And now March felt feels like February. Yep. It's yeah. So bizarre. Yeah, it is weird. And then the weather's all weird. So you don't know what fucking time of the we year We don't is. know. And then we got to do clock stuff this weekend. Oh yeah! Wait, are we get are we? Is it good or bad? Are we getting anything back? We we spring forward, so it'll be a little bit darker in the morning and a little bit lighter at night. So we lose the hour. Yeah, we lose an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, whatevs. I think that whole thing is stupid. We shouldn't it's have. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, get rid of it. But we can't even uh, like we can't even agree on voting rights. How the fuck? I mean, we can, but politicians can't. Namely, Republican. Nope. So, yeah, I mean, state by state, like, let's just get rid of it. Let's just go with Arizona, like what they're doing. I like it. 
Uh, all right. So this is the good news portion of the show. And so if you have any good news or corrections or confessions or anything you want to send us, Whoopi stories, Amy's court cases, like disputes you need settled by Amy, uh, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And uh, Amy, I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Michael, pronouns he and him. Following up on the good news comment today about dogs thinking no take, only throw. I just saw the attached meme yesterday, which I thought perfect. Also, thank you for all that you do for us, Allison. You are my hero. Michael, thank you so much. All right, so let's look at this uh, meme here. It says, dog, you are my life, my purpose. I will do anything for you. Human, drop the ball. Dog, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's rad. That's so rad. I love it. Dog, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, truly. <laughs> Literally, couldn't be more true. Couldn't be more true. All right. Um, next up, we've got Maria, pronouns she, they. Hello, my fellow beanies. Hang on to your hats and scarves, unless you're in California where it's fucking 100 degrees tonight, today. Um, <laughs> I added that bit. This might be a bit long and start off with a bit of bad news, but it all ends well, I promise. I have been a listener since the kitchen table days and have written in before. In fact, you might recognize the kitty in the pictures as Victoria of Victoria Decisive fame. Is that how you say that? Yes. Word? Oh, yeah. Victoria Decisis. When we was at Amy's court case. Oh, yeah. We, we had to base the decision on the cat. Yeah. I love Because that. the cat's longstanding habits. All of these legal Latin names I, I'm really into. Um, and yes, I do mainly write in to send you pictures of my little furball. On to the story. I am a 41-year-old archaeologist. Wow. With a PhD. Okay, so Dr. Maria buried the lead there. I have worked all my life and I have achieved a fair few things in my life by my own measure. I have also struggled with mental health issues since my late teens and a little over 10 years ago, I was fully diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Fine. Good to know. Anyway, fast forward to the beginning of the pandemic. I don't deal with that situation at all. Well, I go on sick leave and deal with my bipolar episode, deal with remote doctors and psychiatrists. Time goes by and about a year ago, I get the plague. Oh no. I lose my taste and smell for six months. Holy shit. Wow. That's in that's horrifying. However, I'm feeling better in regards to the major bipolar incident. Just very confused about the being really tired all the time. And boom, long COVID. Thanks. I have, however, had almost two years to reflect on myself and my situation. And I finally gave in to my psychiatrist and got tested for autism. I have always known I was a little odd and found other people quite confusing, but I figured I was doing okay. So I couldn't have something that major, period. Wrong, exclamation point. So I read up on it and suddenly my whole world makes sense. Oh, that's so great. Also, you neurotypicals are weird. That's so true. (laughs) Like, what do you mean you can just tune out sounds? Well, that's like magic. It's going to take some time to get used to, but for right now, I'm optimistic and having fun finding out about all the things you guys experience differently. I have also started a part-time job. My employer pays for the hours I work. The state pays the rest to up to a full salary. That's amazing. And that really helps with my day-to-day routine. Some would say it's a step down from my old job, but I see it as a positive thing to maybe for the first time in my life, be able to have a balanced life with more than just work, major mental health breakdown, work and repeat. And to everyone else out there, take care of yourselves and take care of your mental health. That ending really means something. Signing off with the pictures of the best kitty, one in her sitting box, 
in this box, she sits. <laughs> that is all she does. Uh, one is Christmas Eve in her a bit too small Christmas outfit. And the third is her preferred place to sit. Oh, how sweet. Look at that. Her preferred place to sit is on the shoulder, right next to the neck, cuddling up. That's the very sitting cute. box is amazing. <laughs> I love how it's like that's all that's all she can do in that box. To be honest, I mean she's not she's not going to entertain in that box. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I like she just goes in there and sits. That's so great. <laughs> but also, you know, I got to say, Maria, getting those kind of diagnoses, like when I got my PTS diagnosis, I have friends who have gotten their ADHD diagnosis. Me, it just it clears everything yeah. up and it's just such a huge weight off your shoulders, I think. Yeah. It makes such a big difference. Like the first time I was like, oh, wait, so I'm not lazy. It's just that my brain doesn't work this way. So like, you know, pe- people who can get through a, a, a book in a single sitting or something, I'm like, what is that? So it really does make a difference. So freeing. Mm, yeah. And you can find community, which is important. Oh, totally. That that really, that made all the difference yeah. for me with my PTS. So. For, All right, next for, up, for, I'm going to take the next two here. Yes. This is from Mo in Miami. Oh, hey, that's my hometown. Miami. Unless it's Miami, Ohio, in which case I don't know her. <laughs> I think they would probably delineate yes, if it were the Ohio true. Miami. That's true. Otherwise, it's Miami. That's true. This is a Monday, Monday chunk. Aww. This fine specimen of a beast was too sexy for these papers, too sexy for our <laughs> futon. And the sweetest hunk of love. Chaski, I think I'm pronouncing that right, was the most massive rescue, and I hope he brings oh a smile. Look at this God. chonker. I want to pet the belly. I mean, that belly is the size of a dinner plate. I'm That's obsessed. amazing. Oh, look at the peats. Oh, so cute. Next up from Sierra, pronounce she and her. Hi, Allison and all the MSW listeners. I've been an MSW listener from the early days, and I appreciate all you folks, uh, what you do to bring the corruption to light. You asked for Halloween photos, (laughs) so I have to provide my two favorite costumes that I bring out of retirement from time to time for Halloween. I do this, too. I have costumes that I just keep bringing back because they're so good. Oh, yeah, they're so good. First up, I borrowed my mother's 80s sweater and glasses and became Linda Richmond of Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk. Remember? Oh, good. Discuss. Yes. Uh, Second is my Ron Burgundy costume right down to the white 70s shoes and Baxter. Wow. I love my little gentleman. I will take you to foggy London town. I could quote that movie all day. (laughs) I basically just look like my dad when he was younger. He still hasn't (laughs) lost his mustache after all these years. So I thought I'd share these for everyone to enjoy. Have a nice laugh. It's like butter. It's like butter. It's like butter. Last but not least is my pod pet rescue cattle dog rebel. Excellent. Wait, I want to hang out with Sierra. Right? I know. What the fuck? First of all, the the coffee talk. I'd love that your mom still has this sweater. But yeah. That Ron Burgundy is brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, it really is so dead on. And you got the scotch. There it goes. Scotchy, scotch, scotch down into your belly. So red. Scotch. Oh, and look at this pupper. What a sweetie. Oh, that's a cute little boy. Or girl, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Love that. Okay, cool. Let me know if you want to hang out. (laughs) 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 You seem cool. Next up from Gemma, pronouns she, her. Dear Beans Queens, as I'm tearfully keeping up with the news each day, my heart is so heavy and sad. It's rare now to have a day without tears. I decided to put on the Daily Beans and start making a fancy, complicated hot chocolate, the kind where you slowly melt solid chocolate and hand whisk hot milk into bubbly, silky froth, dot, 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 magic. Anyway, this decision to listen to you at the same time was the best decision and the worst decision. (laughs) The worst, you say? Yes, because thanks to your ridiculously funny, infectious giggling, I only got to have a few sips. 
Oh, no. <laughs> you made me laugh so hard. That chocolate splurted everywhere. And as I splurted, coughing, I spilt the rest. Oh, no. <laughs> After all that work, it's all your fault. But the best, because you lifted me up and made me feel a moment of pure joy. Who would have thought finger knitting could spark such a merriment? <laughs> thank you for what you do and how you do it. Just thank you. Gemma from Australia. Oh, cool. P.S. Here's my pet tax, my inky black shadow of darkness, Trinky, who just passed into the shadows forever all. A fierce, ferocious being who added so much love to the world, a bit like both of you. Aww. Oh, how sweet. He looks, Trinky looks just like my booba. Looks just like my my void kid. What a little sweetheart. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. There's just nothing. Uh, there's just not, no pain like that. It's just the worst. I know. I know. Hmm. Well, thank you for that submission, Gemma. And yeah, finger knitting. <laughs> we couldn't stop laughing yesterday. <laughs> I'll tell y'all. I'll tell y'all about it. We'll talk we'll later. We'll talk later. Next up from Christy, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans, Queens, and Leguminati. I have some good news that's been a very long time coming. Last month, I finally found the courage to leave my partner after nine long years of emotional, verbal, and physical abuse. My two kids and I are now safe. We feel a calmness and peace we've never felt before. It's incredible, right, Christy? Oh, my God, I can't can't explain it. We're so fortunate to be surrounded by so much support. The three of us are in therapy and working through the trauma and grief in our own time and way. Mm -hmm. I'm also following my lifelong dream of becoming a licensed clinical social worker. I'm in full-time grad school working toward my master's of social work online at Tulane. Uh, I will graduate in a year at 48. I plan to open a private psychotherapy practice specializing in severe trauma and its after effects. I'd love to supervise graduate students in their final year of practicum, providing pro bono services to underserved populations. Amazing. My 14-year-old son, Kyle, is an accomplished musician. Sweet. Kyle, like Kyle from Tenacious D, who who went to Juilliard when he was like 13. (laughs) He recently auditioned for a full-ride fine art scholarship to the top college prep private school in the state. We're waiting to hear their decision, and I know he'd appreciate all the good vibes. He's such a talented, awesome guy. He really deserves this opportunity. For Pod Pet Tax, I present Simba the Golden Retriever. He's 11 years old and the sweetest boy ever. Baxter... Nice. <laughs> Who we think we think is a schnauzer, maybe a mix, is a rescue we adopted from a high kill shelter. We don't know his age, but guesstimate he's probably around seven. He protects us from all the killer ducks in our neighborhood. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Finally, there's Dunphy, our seven-year-old goffin cockatoo. What is that? Nice. Goffin? She says, she says all kinds of things and is a real clown, oh. but her absolute favorite thing to do is sing and dance, especially when the kids join in with her. We don't have a cat, but I've decided if I ever have another kitty, I will name it Aaron Purr. That's great. Huge, huge Hamilton fan here. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Are you Aaron Purr, sir? <laughs> sir, are you Aaron Purr, sir? One last thing. Thank you, Amy, Aww. for your special tribute on Valentine's Day to all those affected by the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas tragedy from four years ago. We live just a few minutes from that school and our entire community was profoundly affected by what happened that day on the anniversary of the tragedy our students participated in a day of service and love to honor the victims thank you for thinking of our community and for reminding us all that we still have a long way to go to end gun violence keep fighting the good fight this fan is in it with you oh that's so lovely okay wow lots to unpack here first of all this dog okay in an iron man baxter is this iron man oh my gosh i think I think that's Iron Man. I'm pretty sure it's Iron Man. I'm in love. 
do you eat the whole wheel of cheese? (laughs) You know I don't speak Spanish, Baxter. (laughs) English, please. Oh, look at this beautiful golden. Little oldie golden. Mm, Golden old. It's a golden golden oldie, which is now like the cure. Yes. And the burb. Look how beautiful. Wow, that's a beautiful bird. And what a ham. The bird's like, hey. I know. Like, hey. That's a photogenic bird. That's really, really is. And listen, I don't know, man. Have you ever seen inside a duck's mouth? Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> don't they have like weird teeth? Oh, oh, it's it's a horror show in there. So I I hear you when you say the okay, so you obviously you're from South Florida. I grew up in South Florida. The ducks in South Florida are like on some sort of drug. I don't know what it is, but they're so scary and they're not afraid of anything. And I I I feel this. I feel this. And I'm glad you have protection. Oh, wait till you see that their vaginas. Oh no, they're, they're cloacas. <laughs> <laughs> never forget that. Never forget a cloaca. I've never met a cloaca. I've oh liked. God. Um, all right. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your stuff. If you have anything you want to send us uh, again, I-, I love the Halloween pictures. That was great, by the way. Yes. Coffee talk and 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 uh, Anchorman. We got some good good mileage out of some Anchorman quotes today. Send them in. We'd love to see that stuff. Anything you want to send us, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Amy, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend? No, I I don't. I'm just like, wow, uh, it's March. And thank you for all these good news submissions because, wow, do we need them? It's been a tough, yes. a tough couple of weeks. But, um, you know, honestly, the Daily Beans has gotten me through because I there's so much information and there's so and, you know, I've been te- I've, I text AG on the regular like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And she's lovely enough to answer, even though she's got a million things going on. So I really as I am a listener and a contributor and I reap the benefits of this podcast. So thank you so much for doing all you do, AG. Hey, thank you for helping me out with it. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And. I can't wait to come see your play. Oh, man. I'm just so excited about all the stuff coming up. Oh, and Amy, if you can get down here on April 16th. Uh Uh-oh, what's that? Dana has a live show in San Diego at Martini's Above 4th with Susan Westenhofer. Oh, that sounds incredible. It's just an amazing lineup. And so that's April 16th. I'm going to be there. And I know a lot of the Beans team is going to be there. So if you're not doing anything, oh, man. I, you might have rehearsal that I day. have rehearsal. You know what it is that like I will have rehearsal. I I, I um, texted the stage manager. I was like, so what days do we have? Do, are we working? He was like, a better question is what days are you not working? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out Mondays, but unfortunately I'm going to be rehearsing, but I will be there in spirit and be very sad to miss it. Indeed. We will send you all of the photos. Yes, please. We definitely will. And I'm going to see if I can borrow that Iron Man suit from that. <laughs> make it in my size. It's brilliant. Uh, and everybody, you know, I'll be back uh, Monday with Dana. And then, of course, Sunday, you can listen to the MSW Book Club. I believe we have our interview with Wajahat Ali Ooh. because we're going to start his book, Go Back to Where You Came From, and other helpful recommendations on how to become an American. <laughs> very, very, very good book. And then Mueller, she wrote, I think we're going to have Grant Stern visit us and we'll talk about an indictment of some Russian people and spies and things like that. You know, typical MSW <laughs> fair. Typical. Uh, yeah, you know, totally just run-of-the-mill spy stuff. <laughs> Real boring spy stuff, you know. <laughs> but uh, I hope everyone has a really restful weekend. And uh, thanks to our patrons, too, for helping us. You're the reason we can stay off Spotify. 
and you know, I love you and appreciate you. And um, we'll be not this Friday, not today, but next Friday, we'll be back on for the Zoom happy hour for our patrons. If you're not a patron, you can be one at patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote. And until I speak to you next time, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.